When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into another weekly edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad here solo or maybe because if you guys remember the other day, Andrew Gillis said if he won the Powerball, he would not be here. So is Andrew here? I don't see him. So there he is. Nobody won. Nobody won. So nobody winning is a win for me. Um, It's not the win I wanted. But nobody won. Um, so they're going to draw again Friday. Um, so we'll, we live to fight another day, basically. We are the Houston Astros of, of uh, lottery drawings. All we want to do is play our game and play again the next day. And we've got nobody. Nobody won. It's going to get $1.5 billion dollars. Actually, I should just start telling people that somebody did win and that nobody else should play. But anyway, $1.5 billion next drawing, which is Saturday. Um, so I'll take it. But uh, yeah, $1.5 billion still. I mean, I'm that's beach house territory. Like I'm having a I have a beach house at that point in Los Angeles. I guess Malibu, uh, Pauly's Island, South Carolina, Florida. I own a cabin somewhere. Oh, yeah, we're balling out. So. We're not there yet, and we're here to talk about the Bengals today, but at least until I win the Powerball. So, you, so until then, you're just living in this alternate universe in South Carolina with all this money, like your Jeff Bezos 2.0. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, just playing out the string until I until I have more wealth than God. Um, but until that point, we're uh, you know we're going to talk about Jamar Chase and Brian Callahan and Joe Burrow. So, yeah. Um, you are you are a bold man, Andrew Gillis. But before we get into that, it's been a while since we brought this up. But folks, I'm gonna say it as I've always been saying: the three best words you will hear today, tomorrow, and every day from tomorrow are Cincinnati Football Insider. Get the best insights, bonus content on the Bengals that cuts through the cloth and clutter of social media, and better yet, you will drive this podcast. You will not just be a part of the family you will be a part of the podcast it's a 14-day free trial you will not be charged until the end of it and it's 4.99 a month 4.99 a month that's like 
one small latte from Starbucks. Like that's half of a Twitter verification subscription. Yeah, if if Elon Musk really gets his way, which fingers crossed, he probably will. I mean, fingers yeah. crossed. I just Ooh. we're not going to get into Elon Musk on this podcast, but point maybe is, fingers crossed. They don't want to pay nine dollars for it. And the point is, you'd rather pay five dollars for Cincinnati Football Insider than that. And if you want to do exactly. that, exactly better bang for your buck. And if you want better bang for your buck, go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page or send a text message to 513-949-4147. So, Andrew, the Bengals, specifically Joe Burrow, said after the Saints game, we know who we are. And they looked like they knew who they were against the Falcons. But after watching that game on Monday night, I don't know who the Bengals are. And I don't think they know who they are. After a game like that, I mean, here's the thing. Joe Burrow, part of who he thinks he is, and I think he really is, is an explosive thrower. We saw that against the Saints. saw that against the Falcons. We saw that almost all of last year. And we even saw a little bit of that earlier this season against the Dolphins and the Jets. And pro football focus would agree. He grades over 91 when throwing over 20-plus yards. That actually puts him at one of the top categories, top five among quarterbacks. So he can throw. But if you can throw that far, and I understand against the Browns, just as we've seen all season, they've been clouded by cover two defense. That's just a league-wide thing. The Bengals are no stranger to it. And I understand it was probably way harder when you didn't have Jamar Chase because when you cloud both Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, I don't think there's much you can really expect out of the likes of Mike Thomas and Trenton Irwin and Trent Taylor. So I'm just trying to like, you know, kind of help me find my tongue here. Is it that Burrow is just relying too much on the no. checkdowns or is is this really just a hard offense without yeah, Jamar Chase? I mean, you, you said at the at the top, you know, I don't know if the Bengals know who they are. I think they know who they are. The problem is just if they're good enough with knowing who they are because you lose, I mean, Ted Karras said it the other day, like there really wasn't an area that they could look at and say we were good enough in this area of a game to win. Um, and he's right. I mean, the pass protection wasn't good enough. The run game wasn't good enough. The passing game wasn't good enough. Uh, they weren't clean enough with their mental decisions. And they it cost them, and they know it. And it, there's no point in harping on that. But right now, I think what you can do is, you know, we just talked to Brian Callahan like an hour ago, and, you know, one of the things he said was, you know, when he's talking about kind of the direction of the offense, that it, it, it has become a broken record, but they've got to start faster. Um, and by and sometimes starting faster doesn't even mean going ahead 10 nothing, going ahead 7 nothing. Like, sometimes starting faster compared to the starts that they've had can just be you start with the ball – you go 40 yards, you know, you, and then you got to punt. And you punt, and the other team's buried in their own end, and then you get the ball back and you kick a field goal, and it's 3 nothing at the end of the first quarter, which doesn't seem like a big difference, but I think that is something that, you know, can really can really kind of benefit them here. So, you know, he, he mentioned the, the interception early when they were kind of humming along, and that took him out. Uh, and then that swing at the end of the first half and early in the early in the third quarter, they kind of took him out. So, I mean, especially with where they're at right now, you know, he mentioned there's not Brian Callahan mentioned there's not 
a magic fix for this, but you just got to be clean and where they're at defensively with their numbers. And we can get into that again, but um, you, you just can't make mistakes where you're at. And I think they'll get better just by virtue of uh, who they're going to play on Sunday. But uh, yeah, I mean, you got to be clean. And if you're not, I mean, you're going to be four and five. You know, you talked a lot about what Karis said, you know, and I even talked to Mitchell Wilcox and he kind of said like he used the word broken record. Like he said, yeah, it might sound like a broken record, but we're waiting for that breakthrough. And we'll talk a little bit more about that with the run game later on the show, because he was saying that in regards to the run game. But, you know, that's the thing. Like you mentioned the interception, you mentioned and Callahan even mentioned sort of the the fact that the offensive line was good, but there just wasn't consistency. There wasn't consistency after that wonky start. And that's the thing. I don't really know that the Browns beat them on that drive. I think the Bengals really beat themselves. Like, you know, you could talk about, oh, well, T. Higgins should have been flagged. You know, someone should have been flagged. Greedy Williams should have been flagged for a P.I. on T. Higgins. Could have, should have, would have. I think he should have. But, like, again, could have, should have, would have doesn't matter now because, you know, once you throw that interception – and then, you know, you give Jacoby Percent and Nick Chubb the ball. And even though you get it back because of, you know, takeaways from Akeem Davis, Gaither, and Von Bell, yeah, you get those opportunities. But once you lose the ball and then you lose it again, like when Burrow fumbled, it's, it's tough. And that's something T. Higgins said is like, you know, we didn't do really anything wrong. We just didn't get the ball our way. Part of that is because you you lose that rhythm to where you're just constantly throwing checkdowns, which didn't help because that's not how you get – First downs, it's not the explosive identity that the Bengals say they are. But, you know, with the offensive line, I agree with Karras. I mean, he said himself, we were not good. We were not good fundamentally. We were not good on the run blocking. Like, he even told and, me specifically And on that, on that offensive line point, I thought something I thought was interesting that Callahan said was that he, he kind of came to defense of Jonah Williams. And I understand that um, a lot of people might roll their eyes when they hear that because they might say, well, of course, what's he going to say? Like, are we sure he's not whatever? Um, but I think he genuinely meant that because, I mean, left tackle is a position where you're on an island. Like, if your left guard's getting blown up every game, he's got help. Like, there are areas where you can do that. Like, if, if, if he's got a guy who's on his inside shoulder who's kind of blowing him up all game, like, if Cordell Volson gets beat, it's, it looks better aesthetically than it does if Jonah Williams gets beat. Because if Jonah Williams gets beat, the guy's coming off the edge, and it's it's very clear what happened. If a guy comes up the middle, it, it's kind of not clear. So um, Brian did kind of emphasize that they are confident in Jonah still, and, and then he, he's like – he said something along the lines of, we feel better about Jonah than, than kind of people think we might. Um, you know, he said he's better than what he showed on Monday, but he did kind of come to his defense in that regard. So – um, they still seem confident. I mean, if Brian Burns rips him up on on Sunday, then oh, and then there's a major problem because then it, then it's then we've got a track record. Then we've got a history of any time this play this team plays an, a number one pass rusher, and I don't mean like a number one pass rusher as in a team's number one pass rusher. I mean like a legitimately good, you know, Pro Bowl level pass rusher. Like if, if they play that and and he doesn't come out, then we've got a problem. But until now, I mean, I'm. Not willing to, I'm not trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not trying to come to their defense like wholeheartedly. Um, but I will say that I did think they had been playing better and Garrett just wrecked the game on Monday. Miles Garrett is the elite of the elite. I mean, I believe he is the best defensive end in the NFL. 
bar to none. 32 teams, he's number one. He has the highest grades on pro football focus. I'm pretty sure he leads the lead in sacks, or he's at least somewhere up there with Micah Parsons, who the Bengals also faced in week two, a week after facing TJ Watt, who obviously got hurt in that game, but until he did, he had he had Burrow's number. He had a pick on him. He sacked him. I mean, that was a field day for him. And you talk about track record. I mean, the track record is there. Obviously, Burns would add to that. But against Pittsburgh, seven sacks. Dallas, six. Cleveland, five and a half. And the thing with the Cleveland game is, I mean, Garrett had the most to dine on. I mean, he feasted on Burrow more than anybody. He had two sacks, but three other people got to Burrow. And that's not just defensive ends like Deion Jones is a middle linebacker who they had just traded for. And he ran straight up the middle and just nothing could stop him. And so it adds to the track record, but it's there. And people say, oh, well, you know, week one, week two, they were still gelling. The line didn't play together in their preseason. And I was kind of on that boat. But this is weeks ago. I get it. Garrett is an animal. I'm really big on him. Like he's one of my favorite players in general. But I would hope they can contain him because if they don't, then you really start to wonder, like, and this is a big question entering the buy, like, was the $20 million in the offseason worth it? I'm a big Jonah Williams guy. He's been with the team since he was drafted. He was Zach Taylor's first draft pick in 2019. But if Brian Burns has a good day and if the Panthers rush defense has an even better day, there's going to be some hard conversations to be had. It's not great. It's not, not great. great. Um, it's not yeah, great at yeah, all. Yeah, there's not really much more to say on the O line. It's you know they've got to be better, and it's you know, it's a tough situation right now. It is indeed. And if you want to look at grades specifically, the highest grade anyone had actually was Jonah Williams. He was the highest graded offensive lineman. So I will be on Callahan's side and say, yeah, for what he had to go up against, including a spin move with Garrett, he was graded about a seventy-five. But Alex Kappa who's the right guard, he was the lowest graded lineman, 54. That's basically like like an F. That's pretty much an F. Like he, If you basically eh, give I, him some, an assignment. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. The PFF grades are weird because, like, I was looking up today cornerback grades for Jadobi uh, Wuzier. We can get into him in a second because um, he talked today. But, like, Jalen Ramsey has, like, the – like this. The, I think he's the highest or the second highest, like, rated corner for PFF. And his grade is, like, an 85, which, like – if Jalen Ramsey is getting a B, then I don't know what the hell else anybody else right. is getting. So like, it's wonky. I, it's, like, it's not it, perfect. It's, it's on a curve. Yeah, it's on a curve, and every curve has a. I forget the term of statistics. There's a variability, so it's not perfect. But when you look at how the season has gone, there is a little bit of truth to that. But when we come back on the podcast, we're going to talk more about specifically where the run game is feeling on the offensive line, and if it's Joe Mixon or if it really is the line as we've mentioned. Plus, we'll talk about what Chris Evans can or can't really do more of and our number of the week when we return on the Strictly Stripes podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. I remember a few weeks ago, Andrew, Mike was with us. We were talking about Joe Mixon about three or four weeks into the season. He was averaging about not even three and a half yards per carry, which was a stark contrast to his Pro Bowl season where he had the best year of his career, which is part of the Bengals run at the Super Bowl in L.A. against Cleveland. And here's the thing. He ran for eight carries, but on eight carries, 27 yards. Second lowest this season because he ran for 24 against the Jets, which prompted the conversation. But if you look at his career numbers going back to his rookie year, that's one of his worst performances. Per carry, he was averaging 3.4. Against the Falcons, more carries, still averaged 3.4. I understand when you're down 25 nothing, you want to throw the ball. But let's look at before they were down 25 nothing. That first drive, they got to him on the screen pass. He converted for a first down. So DVOA would say, hey, he did a good job from there. Loss of two, gain of two, gain of four. He didn't run for longer than six yards on a carry. He had a lot of catches, and I think he still has a role in the pass game. But when he has the ball in his hands, is it that he's just missing holes? Or are the holes just not generating? I think it's a lot of everything. Um, I mean, you look at... I mean, two of the last three weeks, he's had eight carries, um, you know, because they were down against the Saints. They were down against the Browns. So you can't really establish anything. I, I don't think the offensive line did a good enough job in a run game. I, I like, I, 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 I honestly go back to what Ted Karras said. Like, it's everything. Like, you, it, it's hard to just say it's Joe Mixon or it's hard to just say it's, it's the opposing defense or it's hard to just say it's the offensive line or it's hard to just say it's the game situation that's kind of putting them in these situations i mean it kind of felt like they had something um for the two weeks prior when they played the ravens and the saints um mixon was up over five yards a carry um i mean like look not all three yard runs are created equal right if, you get if it's three, a first if, down then that's yeah, if great you get, if you get a three yard run on a third and two that's a heck of a lot different than getting a three yard run on second and 11 right um so the the averages can sometimes lie i think they did a little bit for the browns um because like nick chubb nobody's gonna say he took over that game but he did what he needed to do and i thought he was pretty good so I don't know. The the run game for me is not we we talked about this after the after the game, I think like right like the, in our post game pod like I'm not terribly concerned with the run game right now. I, I I that to me is very very low on the list of concerns. Um to me the the pass game and the pass protection and and everything that kind of comes with that absent Jamar is, is a way bigger concern. Like, obviously you want to be able to run the ball, but if you're not, if you're not throwing the ball effectively, which is what this team is geared to do, then what even can you do? You know, I agree. The pass protection passing without Jamar main concern, hundred percent, but just like the run game, even if it's below the passing concerns, it is still a concern because even with those rushes, you can look at those individual rushes that he had up until they pretty much just started throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. I mean, besides the first run I mentioned on the first drive before Burrow got picked by A.J. Green, Mixon didn't convert any more first downs. All of his runs were just on first down, and then at least second down, second down to third down. Like, he only converted one first down. And, you know, you can go back and look at some of the film, and this is actually in defense of the offensive line, there were two runs that could have changed the game. It, one of them was in the second quarter. There's about five minutes before halftime. It was the Bengals' second-to-last drive of the half. First down, 
instead of splitting between Lyle Collins and Alex Kappa, wide open hole, which could have easily given him 15, 20 yards, he runs to the right and gets stuffed by Jadavian Clowney. Fast forward third quarter, same thing. Another hole was open. Actually, there were two, but the main hole was, like I mentioned, between Kappa and Collins, who I know I was a little harsh on Kappa a second ago, but in those situations, he did his job. Ultimately, Mixon did it. So you're right. It's not just, oh, it's Joe Mixon. Oh, it's Alex Kappa. Oh, it's Jonah Williams. The simplest way to put it, and this is a very reductionist answer, but in simplest terms, there's equal blame to be, be spread. I think even Mixon said, I didn't win. We didn't win against them. I think he knows he missed prime opportunities, but I also do believe with some of those runs, he might have just run into nothing to where Sione Taki Taki's like, hello and good night. That was their leading tackler, Cleveland's leading tackler. But you know, the Panthers. I mean, overall, they're a bottom 10 defense. They are 10th in rushing yards per attempt. But like you said, if you can get them to convert those first downs, even if it's just three, four-yard carries, I agree there can be a role there. With that, though, does Chris Evans really have a role beyond what he did? Because um, that's so a big question. It's hard because you you want to get mixing the ball. But, you know, Brian Callahan talked today again. I, I, if you're listening, you can probably tell who we talked to today. Um, Callahan <laughs> talked again about um, – We talked to both of us, but I came in late. About uh, – one of the things he really kind of harped on was Samaj P. Ryan and his pass blocking ability. And he said that you know he thinks he's the – was it one of or the best? I think it was the best. He, he was – I think he I think said one the, of. I think, uh, but he was talking about him as a pass blocking yeah. running back basically. And he was kind of hyping him up and talking about how good he's been. So it's hard in those situations when you have P. Ryan in the game – and then all of a sudden it becomes a numbers game because it's, okay, you've got – if you want P. Ryan in to block on passing down situations, right, you only have five skill position guys that you can send out there. So you have you five O-linemen and Burrow, and then P. Ryan's in the game. Okay, well, if you want to put Evans out there, um, so you have five, Burrow six, P. Ryan seven, Evans eight, then you're taking off – now it becomes easier without Jamar, but then you're taking off Mike Thomas, Stanley Morgan, somebody like that, Hayden Hurt. Like somebody's got to come off the field. So I don't know. He made a really nice catch. I, I think I, – I mean personally I would like to see him get more reps just to see what he can do, but it's hard. And like I, I do buy that. I do – like some of the things that coaches talk about and fans talk about, like, some of, like sometimes it's a little – a little, a little, not misguided, but it's a little like they, there's not. It's reduction. No, it, they're, they, they don't understand the complexity. Sometimes I think. Well, that, that's that's, people, that's re- reducing yeah, it. It's like people, people don't understand that the that there's a lot more that go into it, and they just kind of want to see some change. and They want to see it now. Right, like it's not that um, simple. You can't just reduce yeah, it to so, oh, why is he not getting the I, ball? I, I, I'm not going to say that they're 100 percent right on this, but I would like to see Chris Evans get more steps just to see because like sure. he had a really nice catch. Yeah, so. he had a really nice catch. He's been their third down back, and you know the thing to Callahan's defense when he said that, like what I look at it as, look, you have P. Ryan, who is like you said, one of the best run blockers at his position. You have Joe Mixon, who love him or hate him. He's still the starting running back. There are packages that I'm sure they have in mind for Evans. Like, it's not like they're just like, oh, we don't care about you, Chris. Like, it's not like that. Like, that's too reductionist. I think that's how some people look at it. It's a matter of, look, we have things lined up for him. But, you know, depending on if you're in a first down, second down situation, 
there's just only so much you can do with him. And I, I mean, he has a role on special teams too. So it's not just being a third down back. Like he's a kick returner too. He had some decent flashes in the postseason. I know he hasn't really lived up to it this season. But again, I'd like to see it too. Um, I don't think it's a big significant thing. I think your main concern is actually making sure who has the ball, Joe Mixon, is getting those first down conversions, whether it's a 10-yard run or a three-yard run on third down. That's the main priority. But to kind of wrap up here, we did this last week. I want to kind well, of do it again. Well, but actually, before we do that, uh, we should say uh, Chidobi Awuzie talked today. Well, so here's the kicker on that. My number of the week is okay. 22. Okay. And 22 is his jersey. So I didn't forget about him. I saved it for the kicker because, okay. you know, I had that sneaking up on you. But, no, 22 is my number of the week. And people are wondering, well, why is that your number? I'm glad you brought him up because I, I was like, we can't get out of here without <laughs> talking about Cheeto. Well, people are thinking, why is that your number? Why not pick another number, some other stat? Well, here's the thing. Yes, he's out for the season. Yes, he's about to go on IR. But here's the thing. And you can chime in on this. And I'll actually be talking more about this later in the week. And I'll be writing about it. But the thing with Chidobi that makes him so elite is not just the fact that, yeah, statistically he is the best guy, like I said, not named Jalen Ramsey, but he was saying that his rookie year in Dallas in 2018, he came in to the game for the first time in his career in a similar situation where there were Cowboys players that got hurt. He was supposed to be a dime, but he came in at corner and he played safety, which is what Cam Taylor Britt's going to have to do for sure, which Dax Hill might have to do depending on, you know, what happens with Eli Apple and Trey Flowers. And so he said that, like, I want to be here to give them that advice. I want to be there to help them. He's basically lending them empathy because he's like, look, I get it. I've been thrown into the fray. You know, I was the next man up just like you. And I want you to know that you can do it. You can be just like me. And that's the thing. You can't coach that. You cannot coach that. Like, elite is not just, oh, yeah, you can shut down the top wide receiver uh, that you're playing against or maybe even the best receivers in the league. Like, that's elite. But what really makes you elite that you cannot coach, that you cannot always find, is guys that are so unselfish that they're on crutches away from the practice field, but they're still watching film and they're still telling Taylor Britton Hill, hey, do this next time. And, you know, maybe this will help you when you bump against this guy in man to man. Like, I mean, how, how do you not fall in love with that? Like that that's remarkable. Yeah, the, the thing with Cheeto that I thought was um – Interesting. Uh, before I get to my number, the thing with Cheeto, um, surgery in two weeks. Uh, they got to wait for the swelling to go down. Um, at that point, he will obviously not be at the facility like full time. Um, and by the facility, I mean the stadium. Yeah. Um, he will not be here full time because he's, he's going to have. I mean, he's going to have um, rehab and stuff like that to do. So uh, he'll, he said he'll try to be around as much as possible. They don't want him on the practice field for obvious reasons. Uh, but yeah, I mean, tough loss. You you like to see that for a guy. Um, we'll see when the surgery happens because like because sometimes it like it was reported he had an ACL, and what what sometimes happens is they'll go in and then they'll find out oh he actually has damage to his PCL two or whatever. So we we should have a better idea in in two or so weeks um, what the recovery process looks like for him. And what his, you know, because I asked him directly, I said, you know, is it, I know it's really early, but do you have a timeline? And he kind of laughed at it. And he was like, no, absolutely not, uh, which is fine. You know, I kind of assumed that that was going to be his answer. But, um, I mean, training camp is in eight and a half months at this point. Uh, that's that's not great. Um, un- if, unless it's like just an ACL, like that's hard. So, um, you know, we're obviously talking about an injury that's going to stem into 2023. So, you know, best wishes for Cheeto. He's a good guy. Uh, you obviously never want to see that happen to anybody. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, props to him for for talking today. Uh, I know it's a tough moment, but like you know, seem seem positive. Very, um, it's, it's it's inspiring. It really is. So the this is a semi decent transition off of that. My number is also kind of Cheeto adjacent. Uh, it's ninety nine. Um, Cam Taylor Britt has played ninety nine NFL snaps, and he is going to be in the starting lineup on Sunday. Um, so the thing with the thing with that is Eli was a full participant today, Eli Apple. Um, so if you're a full participant on Thursday, you're pretty much guaranteed to play. Um, so I think it's pretty safe to say that their two corners are going to be Eli Apple and Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, interestingly enough, Mike Hilton was not at practice today, um, or he's not dressed out for practice, I should say, with a finger injury. So their corners are kind of tested, but um, – you know, Lou, Lou talked about this yesterday, and we talked about this on our pod. Like, Cam Taylor Britt has, he was like, basically, that was a, his preseason game, and like, he's played 99 snaps. Like, 99 snaps, if you're in the preseason, like, you are just now finishing the preseason. You play like 30 ish a game. At least, I mean, maybe a rookie plays more. Like, that is a situation where you just don't have a guy. You have a guy who hasn't really played a lot, hasn't really done a lot. So I'm curious to see what he looks like. I'm curious to see the kind of improvement he makes, not just this week, but over these next couple of weeks, because, you know, they seem very confident in him. He's obviously got the athleticism to do it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he's only got, like I said, 99 career snaps, and you're going to have to rely on him to play a pretty significant number of snaps again. He played 71 against, uh, I have to check that, against the Browns. So, I mean, he's going to have a heavy workload again. Yeah, it's also worth noting Lyle Collins did not participate for illness reasons. We don't know how significant that is as far as that and if it will hold him back. Trey Flowers, speaking of Chidobi, did not participate at all. Uh, This is interesting. Joseph Osai was limited with an ankle uh, issue, but he did practice. Uh, And good news, Eli Apple, full participation. Um, He did kind of warm up on his own with the hamstring, but he fully participated in practice. So if you're... The Bengals secondary, that's good reassuring news and really nothing else outstanding besides what you mentioned with Hill and he didn't practice either with a finger. But stay tuned. Tomorrow we're going to have Mike Nislik back on as we're going to talk about previews, predictions for Sunday's game with Carolina, a little flashback Friday with a different twist, plus more. And again, before you go, make sure you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. You will not regret it. You will cut through the, the clutter and the mess and the madness of social media, especially with what Twitter is about to become, which we'll save for another day. But make sure you sign up. Go to cleveland.com slash bangles. Click on that blue banner. $4.99 a month. You're not charged until the end of that 14-day free trial we mentioned earlier. But once again, for myself and Andrew Gillis, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. See you tomorrow.